Welcome to episode 66 of How About Them Huskies. I'm Connor. Today, just joined by Andrew. Last episode, it was just Matt. This one is just Andrew. I promise you, next time around, we'll have all of us here. At least we'll try to. But today, we're pretty much going to recap UConn's win over Villanova. At the time, number one UConn. Now, unfortunately, number three UConn. But that's besides the point. That's pointless the poll at this point it's pointless pretty much all year but especially right now when you know you're likely going to be a one scene tournament that's all that matters but yeah UConn beat Villanova 78 to 54 it was complete domination in the second half after it was kind of close in the first half but there's really two huge storylines in this game one is Cam Spencer pretty much not missing he went nine for 13 five for eight from three and that was after I believe he missed his first two shots from three so what he ended uh, nine for 11 and five for six from three. That's not normal. And obviously Tristan Newton picked up his fourth career triple-double, 10 points, 16 rebounds for our point guard and 10 assists. He just got that 10th assist at the end. Overall, a great day for the program. Obviously, college game day was there in the morning. Lots to talk about. But Andrew, what was your overall takeaways from that game? I mean, honestly, you, you mentioned everything, but I was just so – mad I wasn't there I know you're so lucky that you went to everything I'm so mad I didn't I wasn't home for that because I would have gotten my ass up to go to game day and I would have waited to get to the front because that looked awesome I mean when is the next time that's going to happen um and then just the whole the whole day in general I mean it's also great for the students who have stayed there for a long time and have honestly earned this so it was great for them, a great day for them. But, I mean, the win against Villanova just capped off the year. I mean, we beat the living crap out of Marquette. And then don't really want to talk about the loss of Crane. I know I wasn't here for that episode, but it doesn't really matter. Um, and then we go and beat Nova, who came to Gamble for the first time since the uh, Reagan administration. And it was just a great day for the program in general. I mean, having game day at our school was just awesome. And then beating the crap out of Villanova with everybody watching now is just it was just a great day all around yeah you mentioned when's the next time that's gonna happen obviously we don't know obviously surprised this happened because ESPN Big East don't usually go hand in hand with the media deal I'm thinking we should have this every year for a top program but at the same time it's been 10 years if it's every year it's almost not as special like if it's a rare occurrence it makes it just adds to how cool it is having all those guys there being on TV. It's just maybe not 10 years until our next one, but I'm fine with maybe two or three just to keep it special. But that's besides the point. Let's get back to this, this game here. And we mentioned Spencer and Newton. Who else double figures? Castle solid 14 points. Klingon had 13. Hassan Diara had eight points off the bench. Villanova just pretty much the complete opposite of Creighton, couldn't make a shot. They went three for 24 from three, 12.5% compared to Creighton's 50. I mean, I don't know. Was, I, I thought Nova would do a little bit better than that, seeing how close we played them in Philly. We only lost by one. But guys like, like Brendan Housen, who is their best shooter and one of their best scorers since like we last played them, he didn't make a three. He didn't make a three against us last time either. Who else? Eric Dixon went seven for 19, two for eight from three. He had 20 points, really the only bright spot, along with TJ Bamba, who had 13 points, but he took 16 shots. Just Villanova's an interesting team. Obviously, we're a UConn podcast, but they're a team that's probably right on the bubble right now. They didn't need this win to get in, and this loss doesn't 
change. The scheme doesn't really matter for them because if you lose the number one, you're not going to get penalized too much. But I don't know. They're a weird team. But, yeah, all in all, great day for UConn. And, yeah, you got anything else right now? Or I keep yeah, going? I'm looking to see who Villanova plays next because I want to kind of segue this into our next um topic, which is the Big East in general. There's a lot of, like, iffy teams on – God, my Wi-Fi is slow as can be, but there's a lot of big bubble teams here in the Big East. Obviously, we're going to make the tournament. Marquette's going to make it. Creighton's going to make it. Um, But you might have to bring the standings up because my Wi-Fi is just not cooperating. But I have them up here. Teams like, oh, man, like St. John's, Providence, Villanova, I just I don't know. Here we go. Um, Seton Hall, honestly, probably going to make it. Um, but once you get through that top four of us, Marquette, Hall, and Creighton, you get down Providence, Villanova, St. John's right in a row. I'm not sure about them. And then teams like Xavier Butler, um, they probably just won't make it this year. And then obviously Georgetown and DePaul are going to be playing for the D3 national title. But we, it's, it's kind of a weird year because usually the Big East just has those three teams that are for sh- three, four, or five teams that are for sure, and then the rest are absolutely no chance. But there's a shot that seven of the 11 teams in this conference could get in, and that would be amazing for, for this conference. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk. I'll finish up with the Villanova game, then we'll go to this. We're going to talk a lot about the Big East here. Alex Caravan is a guy who struggled. He went one for seven from three, but that one was arguably the most important shot of the night. With less than a minute left, he drilled a three to give Newton his triple-double. You could tell Tristan really wanted that. He kept on, like, passing. It was a play before that, maybe a play or two. Caravan was wide open in the corner when Newton found him, and he didn't shoot it because, naturally, you're up by 25 or whatever with less than a minute. You're not going to take the shot. But Newton was clearly frustrated, but it worked out in the end. Uh, who else? Samson Johnson had a couple of silly fouls, but he held his own down low. And Jalen Stewart didn't make a shot, but hit some free throws at the end when he was intentionally fouled in a 22 point game with 12 seconds. So that's interesting by Villanova. But yeah, all in all, a dominant team win. Alex Caravan, I mentioned he didn't do much scoring, he had three blocks, which ties his career high. We had how many blocks as a team? Seven blocks. Castle had two, Klingon had one, and Samson had a big one knocking out of bounds just this is one of those games I feel like with us it's weird it's either we win comfortably and there's not a lot to say or we lose and it's a lot to say this is one of those we won by 24 Newton and a triple double Cam couldn't miss yeah that's pretty much it for the Villanova game but we could jump into the Big East you mentioned you're starting to rattle off some of the teams there we're gonna make the tournament Marquette's in Creighton's in Seton Hall, Providence, Villanova. We'll conclude St. John's after that win over Creighton. They're all right on the bubble. Butler Butler kind of fell off. They've lost four in a row, unfortunately for them. But they could maybe still get hot down the stretch. Xavier, they're not even – they're tied with – they're actually ahead of Butler in the Big East standing, Xavier. But they're not making the tournament unless they win the Big East. They're under 500 overall. But I'm going to say this in like – this is something that should be clipped for everyone to see. Seton oh. Hall, Seton Hall and Providence are not bubble teams. I mean, Seton Hall is currently in third place in the Big East standings at eleven and five. They're eighteen and nine overall. They have I have the net rankings up here. Let's see, Big East. They are 
eight and seven in the top two quads, five quad one wins. That's not a bubble team, especially with how weak the bubble is this year. In Providence, they have no bad loss. They're eight and nine in the top two quadrants, 10 and 0 in quad four. I mean, the Big East is supposed to be and is like a top three conference, if not the second best conference. There's no way the fourth and fifth best team in that conference should be on the bubble. So as much as UConn fans shouldn't dislike Providence for the rivalry and all, there's certainly a tournament team as of now. And I'm not saying, I feel like if they pick us off on that last day of the season, that'll guarantee it. But I feel like the Big East should get at least five teams in, arguably six. Because Villanova, for as many bad losses as they have against all those Philly teams, they have some elite non-conference wins like Carolina. They won the battle for Atlanta, so they played in that. But yeah, all in all, Seton Hall and Providence should not be on the bubble, especially as of right now. But I feel like at the end of the year, they won't be. Oh, they're definitely not. But also, they do have some really important games coming up, both against us. Uh, we have Seton Hall for Senior Day for about 14 million people there at Gamble. Um, or not Senior Day, like Goodbye Day, we'll call it, because half the team is transferring. They're even doing the uh, the changing of the collar for our good boy, Jonathan, the 14th, the 15th. The baby, they call him, is going to take over. Um so they've got that, and then we've got Marquette on the road, and then we got to go to the AMP for their senior day. So, I mean, I feel like it's realistic to say that we might get that one win against Seton Hall and finish out with two losses. But at the same time, I can also see us um, going two and one. But, yeah, this is, this is a really good year for the Big East because even those teams that aren't on the bubble um, – no, the teams that are on the bubble, they're really – they're really good teams and it's just a really kind of weird year for college basketball. Like we were talking about before, like the American still has teams that are in the top 25, like USF. Um, but it's just a really weird year for college basketball, but also, also good for the Big East because like, like I said, in a normal year, there's those four or five teams that are definitely making it and the rest are terrible. But this year, like I said, seven of the 11 teams theoretically could make it. Now, do I think that all seven will? No, but they, it's definitely a possibility. Unfortunately for the for us, if we want that number to be closer to that seven mark, it's going to end up with us certainly not winning the Big East tournament and probably getting upset. Which, I mean, that's just, it is what it is for the conference. Like we would, there's no world where we win the Big East tournament and the conference gets six teams in. I feel right. like. We've gone over this, but us, Marquette, Creighton, I'm calling Seton Hall a lock. Providence is a little more on the bubble than Seton Hall is, but Villanova, they probably need a couple Big East tournament wins. St. John's, I feel like they have to win out and get to the Big East final. If they lose that, I feel like they should be in. But speaking of the Big East tournament, we're we're pretty much all but certain to be the one seed to take a really big like collapse. But we'd have to lose all of our games and get some help for us not to be that one seed. But we'd obviously play the winner of the 8-9 game on that Thursday at noon. And the standings are obviously subject to change with how tight these standings are. But as of right now, we'd either be playing Xavier or Butler, which are two teams that not not scare me because none of these teams near the bottom scare me, but they're two teams that played us tough. Xavier on the road when we played in since he played us tough, that was without Klingon. Obviously we had a historic win against them at the XL center, but 
in that road game, we kind of struggled. It was close, and Butler played us tough both games, even the one at home. So, obviously, we don't know what the matchup's going to be. We're not going to know. We're not going to know who we play until, like, the night before, but we're not going to know who the matchup could be until probably the last day of the season, March 9th. But say hypothetically it's Xavier and Butler. Who would you rather see in that first game? Man. I think Xavier, honestly, because Butler played us tough. Well, oh, man. The game at the Cintas, honestly, they didn't play us tough as much as we kind of just lost the lead away by playing stupid. Butler legitimately, legitimately played us tough. And, yeah, I know they've lost a couple in a row, but they're still a very well-coached team by uh, Thad Mata. They also have a lot of talent. But I just don't see it with the Xavier squad this year. I mean – I went to a game against X, uh, God, against Xavier at XL, and we beat them by about a million. So I just I would rather see Xavier because I think they're more in, of an incomplete team than Butler, and I feel like Butler's going to go into this tournament thinking, you know what? If we win this thing, we could we can make a uh, a bid for one of those the last seeds in the tournament. But Xavier, I feel like, is just not. I don't know. They don't have that spark this year that they had last year. So I, I would much rather see them than, than Butler. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Butler's in a funk. I mentioned they've lost four in a row. But those four, home versus Marquette, where they barely lost, home versus Creighton, which they got handled pretty well. But Creighton's now number 12 in the country. So you got to just – it's whatever. And they lost a couple of double barely double-digit losses at Villanova and at Seton Hall, which are teams right on the bubble with them. So games they probably wanted to get. But – yeah, I have to agree. Butler, they scare me a little more. Xavier is pretty thin in the front court. I feel like Donovan would do well. I say this every time we talk about Xavier, and obviously the one game Donovan played, we won by, what, 42 points or something like that. So they're thin yeah. in the front court. Butler, they got some stronger bigs, still not at Klingon's level. They got Andre Screen, Jalen Thomas. But, yeah, I'd, I'd certainly rather see the – I'd rather see Xavier rather than not see – the Butler Bulldogs, but no matter what, whoever they throw in our way, I'm confident. I feel like this is the year we finally win another Big East title. It's been since Kemba's year in 2011. Obviously, that's a pretty skewed stat because we were out of the Big East, but I don't know. It's just I feel like we always say we run MSG, which we do. Don't get me wrong, but we haven't won the Big East tournament since we got – we haven't even made it to the Big East final since we got back to the conference. I feel like if there's ever a year to break that, we'll call it a, a curse. Every year to break that, it's this one. Yeah, I mean, we did run into some tough teams. We lost Marquette last year. Before that, Villanova. And before yeah. that, my memory is fading. I want to say it was Nova again. I think Creighton that first okay. year. But yeah, we, three well, times. we always win that first game and get – lose the second I mean, we beat Seton Hall and lost Nova last year province and lost to Marquette but it, it, if there is a year it's definitely this one and I feel like that's the thing like Hurley still wants obviously he got his national championship last year and we win all these little tournaments we go to like the um like we won the Empire Classic we won the the uh Bill Walton Classic there out in Oregon not really the PKI but I think the one thing Hurley still wants on his resume now is that the Big East regular season title and the championship title. And I think if he gets both this year, he's going to be very happy. And I also just don't see anybody stopping us in this tournament. 
So it is a different monster, though. I was hoping you forgot the name of the PK, PKI. I was just going with Bill Walton <laughs> Invitational. But yeah, I agree. It's certainly a different. It's you got it. You don't to win the Big East tournament, you have to win. Well, in our case, you have to win three straight games and three straight days, which is something this team has not done all year because obviously the Empire was just two games. The PKI was, was that even three in a row? I don't remember off the top of my head. I feel like it probably was, but it wouldn't shock me if there's an off day in there. But yeah, winning three games in three it days. Was. It was three in a row. Yeah. I yeah. think. Obviously, it's not easy, especially it's not something you do often. If you're Kemba, you can just win five games in five days like it's nothing. But for a team that's only played one back to back all year, it's it definitely takes a toll, especially we I've mentioned my probably my number one key all year is our our depth is kind of meh compared to last year because Stewart and Ball aren't playing as much as I feel like they can or should. And they and if you play pretty much seven guys for three straight days, that Big East final, they're going to be running on fumes. I mean, you can't have Tristan Newton play 37 minutes, three straight days. I feel like that's not smart, first of all, because while the Big East tournament is important to the team, important to the program, there's an import, more important, more – nationally relevant tournament in a couple of weeks after so yeah i feel like it, we really this is the home stretch for the depth to step up solo ball played 20 seconds at the end first villanova that was his only run so i feel like we really need to even if it's just for five minutes to give newton a breather or just how whatever it is just need to get guys like that in the game especially in the big east tournament especially in that first game versus either xavier or butler like we don't need I feel like Hurley's smart enough to know that. We don't need Newton, Spencer, Caravan, Castle playing 35 minutes apiece in that first game, especially with the 4-5 game on the horizon, which is looking like Seton Hall or Providence at this point. But actually, Seton Hall is technically in third right now. But oh, whatever, it's too early to determine who's going to be who. But all in all, I feel like we need to go a little deeper in that bench over these next few games. It's tough because these are we're in the middle of our toughest stretch of the season. Seton Hall at home should be fairly easy, but you never know. They beat us handily in their place. And obviously our last two road games are going to be challenging, but if Hurley could try to get Stewart a little bit more run or ball any run, I feel like it'll be worthwhile. I mean, yeah, I agree with um you saying that they don't, the starters don't need to play a whole lot in the Xavier game. I mean, I'm almost rather like see us just absolutely destroy them in the first half, maybe first half plus five minutes of the second half, and then just let the let the bench guys run. Because, I mean, that our depth got us through the tournament last year. So, I mean, if these guys are coming off the bench cold, like say like we get into foul trouble and we really need a guy like Solo Ball or Jalen Stewart, and they're coming off the bench after not playing in three, four, five, six games, like it's not going to be good. Like our depth guys – played no matter if it was four minutes or 12 minutes they played every single night um so I just I feel like that's the one thing that Hurley should do more of is just play play the bench guys because there's been times from like why in the world are the starters still out there like there's no reason for them to be out there um not just because like of running up the score and stuff just to prevent injuries also but to also just let those guys get some run because honestly if guys don't get run, they also might transfer. So I just – it's a weird, like, topic, but I feel like 
I feel like you're right, and Hurley should run those guys a little bit more on that first game. I think that's enough Big East tournament talk for a tournament. We have no idea what the bracket or seeds are going to look like, but there's we have no game this week until Sunday, so it's some content to fill the time. There's one more topic I want to talk about before we end here, and I'm sure everyone has seen the clip. If you haven't, you should look it up. I mean, it's not something that's crazy, but it's just happened. Duke versus Wake Forest. Wake Forest beat Duke at home, they at their home, at Wake Forest's place. And they stormed the court, and in the middle of the festivities, we'll call it, was Kyle Filipowski, Duke's best player, and it did not end well for him. He ended up with a sprained ankle. He got pretty much trampled. He's 6'11", 7 foot, but when you got thousand or so students running at you it doesn't matter if you're 900 feet tall you're going to get knocked over but and that leads to the discussion yesterday today of should court storming be banned and I don't know it's I've we me and Matt talked about this last episode how I kind of think it's silly in a way because it's almost like you're admitting that you're an inferior program to who you just beat like Wake Forest is basically saying Duke, you're better than us, but you, we beat you, so we're going to go storm the court. And also, side note, I'll let you get your thoughts in real quick, Andrew, but side note, Wake Forest is favored by two and a half in that game. So it's not like it was a crazy upset, which I guess ranking-wise it was, but ACC standings it was, but you got to expect to win that game if you're Wake Forest. So that's, that's the part that irritates me the most. If you win a game that you personally expect you're going to win, don't storm the court. Oh, yeah, that was that's my thought exactly, like, Honestly, when we stormed the court against Villanova, I thought that was foolish. I mean, yeah, we haven't. I I just think court storming in general. Um, and hold on, I'll I'll just get to that. But we can't have that injury happen. I mean, if you're gonna do it, wait until the team gets off the court. But I just think that you're a hundred percent right. With did Creighton storm the court against us? By the way, I turned the game off before it was over. They did. Okay. Um. So they were what at the time? Top 15 in the country? 15 versus one. Yeah, that looks foolish. I mean, if if we go play like last year, say last year we played at Oklahoma State and they beat us, they can, yeah, you know what, storm the court. We're not conference rivals or anything. We go to you as a top five team. You beat us, storm the court, whatever. But I just feel like storm after a home win against a conf- an in-conference opponent, storming the court just looks foolish. I mean, it is. It's foolish. Um, and especially when people get hurt because now you've got that look against you. Like, Wake Forest is going to get booed to heck when they go play at Cameron Door, whenever that is, maybe this year or or next year. But I just think in general that core storming is kind of foolish. In a way, you know, I'm sure it's fun for the students you know, they go crazy. We just beat somebody huge. But it, I think I think it is kind of foolish in a way, um, especially in conference. That's just a joke. Yeah, they, we mentioned Creighton did it against us. But the security, like, formed a wall, like, in front of the benches to allow us to safely exit. So it was different. But I, the whole point you just made is 100% true. If you're – if you're supposed to win the game, don't like you mentioned the Nova game when we did it. I mean, I expect to win that game, especially we're we're ranked in the top twenty five. That one, it was like twenty two versus eight or versus something. Twenty one yeah. versus eight. Like you expect to win that game against a Nova team who, sure, we've had our struggles with 
in the past however many years. But I don't know. I was I didn't like that. I certainly am surprised that Creighton did it. It was their first win versus a number one team, so that's something. But it's still a team that you've beaten every single time they've stepped into that gym. I don't, the only difference is the number in front of our name. But with Filipowski, this is the whole topic. I feel like I feel like there's a chance they actually might do something about this, about court storming. Maybe, maybe not this year, honestly, because there's what three, two and a half weeks, a week and a half left of like actual home and away games before neutral site and tournament play. So I doubt anything will be done before then. But like, I don't know. You can't have stars getting injured, and I feel like a wake up call would certainly be. A, the star player of arguably the best brand in the sport going down. I don't know how long. I know it's a sprained ankle. I don't know if he's missing any time or what. I haven't looked into that at all. But also, one more quick thing about him. You got to be aware. I mean, the the ball was dead. It was like they were inbounding the ball with like 0.8 seconds left or something like that, down by four. Obviously, the game's over at that point. You got to like not be in the middle of the court right there. But at the same time, it's not his fault. You can't blame him. It is what it is. And did you see what Jay Billis said earlier today? His comments about the whole thing? I saw, like, he, what he said about, like, is there core storming in the NBA? But I didn't see – what did he say? Nah, he made an interesting proposal. He said, oh, don't stop it. Don't stop them from storming the court. But once they get on there, don't let them leave. Arrest them. Detain them. And everyone's, like, clowning well, him. Like, you're you're going to arrest a couple okay. thousand college students? I, I mean, yeah, that's I understand the point. And he, he made a good point afterwards. He said, if you do that just once at one school, that'll change it forever because you're not going to do it and risk getting arrested after seeing it happen once. But that's a pretty silly thing to say, in my opinion. From a guy yeah. who I really like, Jay Billis, he's, he's obviously a Duke guy, but he's a guy who's very knowledgeable about the sport. I like him. He was at game day. He was – during game day, it was they were talking about expanding the NCAA tournament, and he basically just clowned the NCAA for even considering it. But, yeah, he's a great guy, great anchor, announcer, whatever. But that's a silly idea to arrest all the fans. I mean, that yeah, wouldn't work. You tell I just want to say you're... one more thing, Go by on. the way, about that. So I definitely get what you're saying with the whole, um, like, you got to be aware thing. But at the same time, He's supposed to be on that court and the fans aren't. So he's not going to go out of his merry way to get the hell out of there so the fans can run on it. Like he's going to stand his ground. And unfortunately, he got trampled. I hate, I'm, I don't like Duke at all, but nobody, I, I mean, I would be beside myself if somebody like Klingon or Caravan or any of our guys got hurt in a court storming event. I mean, I would be wanting to probably sue the damn school, <laughs> but like, at the same time, it's it's really a weird issue because at the same time, like, yeah, like you can tell the fans are getting ready to storm the court, but he doesn't need to get out of the way just so that they can do that. I mean, he's supposed to be on the court and they're not. So it's just, it's a really weird thing, but I feel like something will be done about it. And I think we'll see, we won't see like court storm be stopped because it is fun for the kids. Um, but I feel like we will see more of what happened against us with Creighton where the security just forms a wall next to our bench so that they can go through the handshake line or get out of the way. Um, but I, I really hope we don't see any more players getting trampled because it also happened to Caitlin Clark um, on the women's side of college basketball. And it's just, it's really going to end poorly if 
this keeps happening and players keep getting hurt because that just shouldn't happen at all. But I hope they do do something about it. Like, I hope they they make security more, um, I don't know what the word is, strong, like, by the bench. But it's just a really weird topic to talk about, honestly. Yeah, Kate and Clark might have been a flop. but Well, well yeah, I know, that. but she's still got, like – Yeah, yeah. It's it's still contact with a player from a fan, which should never, ever, ever happen. No. So. But I do agree that she did flop but (laughs) and if you if you look at the filipowski clip and like slow-mo the angles he was shoved it wasn't like he got bumped into. yeah no that was the kid shoved him and looked back like he meant to do it so that was that can't happen but that kid should be arrested yeah they're not gonna they're not gonna find him unfortunately they probably could if they really wanted to but i don't think they will but that's enough talking about Duke injuries on this How About Them Huskies <laughs> podcast. I think that'll do it for your, for episode 66. It was We went a little off the rails in a normal episode because we got no game to pre- preview. So we got other stuff to talk about. But our next episode most likely will be a preview of Seton Hall Senior Day for all of our seniors and non-seniors who won't be here next year and dogs who will not be here next year. But <laughs> you can look forward to that episode later in the week, probably either Friday or Saturday. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed this one and thanks for watching.